It's a peaceful protest. We walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Together again, great to have you with us and a wonderful slate of items to get to. Uh, in a little bit, the president of uh, basketball operations for the National Basketball Association, Byron Spruell, will join us, talk to us about a, a great new initiative, Kurt, that they have to identify the next stars to work in business and operations in the NBA. So it's going to be fun to have that conversation with him. Yeah, I can't wait, man, because uh, always some good stuff. Like, we think about all the NBA guests that we've had on and all the different, you know, initiatives and obviously the inclusion and diversity. It's been it's been fun to see that everybody's really been on board and given a lot of new opportunities for, for a lot of folks. And, and initiatives that are staples now. Like Correct. these are yes. programs. They've moved into permanent living spaces. Uh, within the association and NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL as well. But it's amazing how the NBA keeps paving, you know, more asphalt for all of us <laughs> to follow, no doubt. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll also dive inside uh, more commitment in the WNBA. Is, uh, we, we spent some time talking about the Psy family and, 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 <laughs> and really doing so much that they had to be <laughs> corralled in mm-hmm. uh, for what they want to do to elevate their team. Uh, Mark Davis, uh, of course, on top of Raider family ownership uh, has his hand in full stake in the Las Vegas aces. And we'll dive inside of some of the uh, upliftment there uh, as uh, I'm sure the ATM machine is open. <laughs> as we know, the head coach yes. uh, got a stack. So Ooh, we got a ticket. Other things. Yeah. We'll see what <laughs> other things are going on there, but let's start off uh, with a headline that caught all our eyes. Colin right. Kaepernick shows off rocket arm and, uh, new video and some assessment uh, coming in that space. It's been more than five years, Kurt, since Colin Kaepernick has thrown a pass uh, to an NFL receiver. But that changed this week uh, when the former quarterback met up with Tyler Lockett for a throwing session. And Tyler let us know that that thing is still smoking. Yeah. You know, I thought this was uh, great to see that Colin still has not let his uh, dream of playing quarterback still in the NFL go away. Uh, He still looks to be in great shape. And he went out and threw with Tyler Lockett. And for those who don't know who Tyler Lockett is, he's the wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. Mm -hmm. And for him this week, Tyler Lockett saw his quarterback get traded to the Denver Broncos, (laughs) Russell Wilson. So he, he notices that, hey, there is a need at quarterback for us in Seattle. But the, the opportunity for Colin Kaepernick to see, to be basically kind of go on the road. This this is what he's doing now. He's saying, look, I know it's been five years, but I haven't forgot how to throw a football. You know, I'm still of the, the age of, I believe, 32 or 33 right now. And when we look at the NFL years of like at the quarterback position, that is still fairly young. Especially when you got a guy in Tom Brady who came back. I was about to say Brady's week. changed the time. Brady about to be 45. So you got to think if we say that Colin Kaepernick can play till the years of 
Tom Brady, he still got 12 more good years of football. I would say if he was able to get an opportunity, at least four or five years, I think of him playing the game. Now, will he play at a high level? I don't know that. But I do know that there's, and I always look at this number, Jax, 64. 64 is the number I use because I always say there's a starter and there's a backup. 32 teams. So 32 teams, 32 starters, and then there's 32 backups. I've looked around this league, man. You mean to tell me that Colin Kaepernick is not one of 64? (laughs) Like, there's 64 guys that will be a starter or a backup, and he doesn't fit into one of them. I look at what the league puts out sometimes middle of the season or during the week or if a starter goes down. I feel like he deserves that opportunity. Now, will someone give him that opportunity? But he's showing that, look, I'm still in shape. I'm still going about. And he said, you know what? If you want to work with me, let's work. And so he's now kind of put this thing um, on wheels, so to speak, Jax. He's now moved from where he threw with Tyler Lockett. Now he's moving around and he's whoever, whoever wants to go throw, let's go throw. So he threw in Houston after that. He's going to throw down in Dallas after that. If you want to throw, if you are a quarterback or a receiver that wants to catch some passes, I want to work. But I'm going to highlight this. I'm going to put this on video. We have those elements now where I can put this on an IG live or a Facebook live, whatever it may be. And it's forcing people to say, look, man, Colin Kaepernick still can play. Is he our starter? I don't know, but I would love to have him on our team just in case anything happens. So I love that he's taking the initiative and putting this out there. And you've, you've, it's just fingers crossed, Jax, that he gets an opportunity. Fingers crossed. I mean, hopefully that a team brings him in because I think that there's other leagues for him, but he won't go that route and he shouldn't. But if man, the USFL is starting up and it'd be crazy to think that he will go out there and light the league up and people say, see, we told you, see NFL, this is what you've missed out on. So I do want that told you so moment. I just don't know if we'll get that. Whatever it takes. That's, that's where we're at in this point. So many things to unpack here. I want to get to the reality of why he doesn't, uh, have a position somewhere in a moment. Right. But I'm gonna start you off with what 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 has Lockett expressed to us? What what has he seen that got him so fired up? They, they put up uh, a I think it was Kaepernick himself, yes, on Twitter, put out a 60 second video mm-hmm. uh, with m- multiple throws. I don't have you seen the video yet? Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, are, so let's be <laughs> plain. This yeah. is what you do. Mm-hmm. Are you impressed? Absolutely impressed. Why so? I'm impressed because the ball still jumps out of his hand like it did when he was a starter in the NFL. Right. We've never questioned his talent at all. Well, but a lot of people in- did, though, Kirk. A lot of people said the reason he's not playing is because he's not good. No, and, some and some like, may say well, that. <laughs> that's the most convenient thing to say without having right. a real assessment out there. We know why he didn't play. He was right. a lightning rod that most people didn't have the courage to touch. Yeah. Most people don't want to touch anything that's electric. <laughs> it's something that's going to snap you back. Now, there, there are some mavericks in the league. There are at least folks that act like it when it pertains mm-hmm. to some cash. Right. Like if they can figure out how to spin it into some sort of money-making venture. But what most teams didn't want was a pushback from any portion of their fan base, particularly their season ticket holders or, or partners that felt right. a certain way about the most ignorant interpretation of what Colin Kaepernick was trying to express. Right. Taking a knee. That's that's what it came down to. Him taking a knee during the national anthem 
and it was something that Ooh. shocked our country. Yeah, but to protest specifically yes. police brutality, police brutality. not disrespect the country or the flag or right. military personnel, which is where that stuff went, uh-huh. driven by, like, inexplicably, the president of the United States that has more important things to do than to levy any opinion in that space. Yeah, but it, we've moved. We've moved past that era. I hope. I, I, I hope so. The duration. <laughs> you know, I've hoped so. Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a job, so I would hope that we've moved past it, that he can get that opportunity. Yeah, I, I think in my assessment of Colin, too, one thing for him, when he, his coach that believed in him, when Jim Harbaugh had gotten to it with, there was a, this, this uh, sort of this, this shakeup between he and the uh, general manager, and when Harbaugh was sort of parted ways with the 49ers, I thought that did something to Colin because Jim Harbaugh was the guy that really, really took to Colin and said, hey, you're going to be the future. You know, he's the one that made the switch and said, hey, Colin's our starter. And so then when he lets go, then the 49ers just went through this cycle of coaches, Tom Sula, Chip Kelly, you know what I mean? Like it was bad, Jax. And Colin never really recovered from that. And a lot of people are going to say, well, it was because of his declining play. I don't say it was declining play. I would just say that when you look at everything that was around him, it was a lot of moving parts, and it was not in his favor. But moving forward to where we are now, though, that's what I'm saying now. Why not give him an opportunity, give him a shot? And I kept, I keep saying this. This is the last time. Here it is. This is the last opportunity, last opportunity. Remember, he had the workout for the NFL teams, and the NFL tried to say, well, let's put it over here, and we're not going to do it inside of this facility. And it was just so much back and forth, and he ended up going down the street and putting on a workout. I think this is now something for teams to take a look at. Look, he's playing. He's out there running. He's doing everything that he can. Just give him an opportunity. But I do know this, Jax. Some teams don't want Kaepernick for not the reasons that we all think of. I think Bill Parcell said it best. You don't want the backup to be more famous than the starter. That's what hits uh, its home for a lot of people. When your backup is more famous than the starter, then it becomes a distraction. And I don't know if teams are willing to take on that distraction. There's only so many coaches I think they can handle that. I think Pete Carroll can handle that in Seattle. Mike Tomlin over in Pittsburgh. Uh, Belichick, I think, over in New England. There's certain coaches that can handle having that kind of player go in. Because if Colin Kaepernick signs, you already know. It is get your cameras, everybody. Because everybody's going to be there to see him. So I'm hoping that he does get that opportunity and that he look, even if he's not the starter, just give him an opportunity to go out there and play. If you cut him, you cut him. If you say he he didn't do well, but you should at least have a spot for him to come to camp and prove that he still belongs in this league. It's really about one thing, right? When and where. Right. Do you think this summer Colin Kaepernick gets an opportunity to go into a training camp? Or maybe I assume that's the real. Rubber right. throat. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I was going to start to go <laughs> and mitigate, well, maybe some OTAs somewhere, but he's still got to get signed and get into a spot before yeah. he gets a look. So camp seems like the, the right spot to make that happen. And it allows for a little runway um, for him to go around and work out or, or have one massive workout. 
Do you see it happening in, in 22? Yeah, I, I, I hope. I mean, that's my hope. NFL or, NFL. or not? Okay. Uh, I, that, that's my hope. Like, I hope that a team takes that opportunity for him. But do I think it would happen deep down in my heart? I don't think it's going to happen. I think too much time has passed that has given teams the opportunity to say, hey, he's having played in five years. So we want and, – and the, the great coach talk, general manager, office talk as well, Jax, is, you know, we, we're really confident in the guys that we got. You know, we went out and drafted this kid, and everybody's uh, more about the, uh, the, the shiny mystery box rather than what's actually sh- somebody who's played the game and shown you – we're, so, we're we're not worried about that. We're worried about what could be. What's the next? And we don't want to miss out on missing something else. I said, well, you're missing out on a guy who actually has played before. So, uh, unfortunately, I mean, I love Colin. I think that he deserves it. It's just an opportunity to go out there. But I think that that ship has already sailed, man. Well, big ups to everybody involved in at least creating this moment for us. Tyler Lockett responding quickly to a tweet from uh, Colin Kaepernick about getting some work in. If if my math is right, about 24 hours from the tweet, they're they're out there uh, slinging the rock around. So there's, there's camaraderie. Uh, Now there has to be desire. And then if you let the man on the field, he can earn it or not. That that's like, think about, you know, some of these third, fourth, and fifth guys sometimes that get opportunities exactly. uh, to at least go work. I mean, right. You can't. You can't tell me that that's going to be a negative. Right? Like I said, man, he's one of sixty-four. Tell me, he's not. He's not one of sixty-four. Yeah, come on, man. His play I'm will looking. tell you, right? <laughs> like it's that either he is or he isn't. But let us yeah. play. Tell you not your preconceived notions, not your uh, cowardice. Let the, the play like. Don't, don't you want a, a squad that has a guy that can step in, yeah. him or somebody else, right? That but can I, just step in and keep leading your team. That's the quarterback you're trying to find. And you'd, learn, you'd search high and low for that. So right. yeah, let's go with a little experience. And also, too, the name of our show is Forward Progress. And so I think that if a team gives the opportunity for Colin, I think that also shows the progress that we've made from this that whole national anthem debate and i think how much have we progressed from that is it the understanding of hey we still got a lot to clean up with police brutality and what we saw from george floyd because colin was preaching this before george floyd happened before a lot of these senseless killings by police to unarmed black men colin was talking about this and yet this still happened. Things were still are still happening to a point where do people finally say, you know what? Yes, there is a problem. We're sorry, Colin. We appreciate you for bringing it to our attention. Or is it still about, oh, yeah, he doesn't care about the flag. He doesn't care about America. That's where I want to see what the progress is. And if he's brought onto a team, I think the progress will we will have proof for itself that someone's willing to move on and understand that, hey, it's about the player. It's about what he's protesting for in terms of awareness, but nothing against our country or our flag. Future segment coming down the avenue. Should we continue to have anthems played at games? Mm. Yeah, I want to touch that third round. Yeah, there let's we go. Let's do that one day. Uh, meantime, <laughs> let's let's focus on what's truly ahead on the program. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, Byron Spirell, he's the president 
of League Operations for the NBA. He's going to join us to discuss a diversity and inclusion initiative within the association aimed at getting minorities and females in basketball operations at the league and team levels at higher levels. That conversation went forward. Progress returns. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. The program continues. It's Jackson. It's Morrison. And we want to talk to you about a fantastic program uh, from the National Basketball Association. It's called the NBA Futures Basketball Operations STARS program. It's designed to promote increased diversity and provide a unique hands-on learning opportunity and professional development immersion experience for 15 participants interested in pursuing a career in sports with a focus on basketball operations. For more on this program, we turn to the president of that very space for the NBA. Uh, Byron Spurell joins us here. Usually, Byron, we're talking to you about uh, rules and officials and (laughs) what are the new things with balls and everything around the game. It is so Mm -hmm. good that uh, we get to talk to you about cultivating people. And as we talked about before we started our interview, cultivating a brand new generation of individuals who are going to grow in this space. Sometimes you feel like you got to find wherever you can yeah. get to just get into the league and get to a team and you may aspire to very specific things. This program seems right. to kind of connect a new bridge. It, it, it does. And we're excited about it. If you go even back to our mission, right, guys, it, it's to inspire and connect people through the game of basketball. I mean, our overall NBA mission around our brand. And so this does that as a, in a programmatic way to build the next generation of talent um, for basketball operations role, both at the league as well as with teams. And so we're looking at a whole pipeline. We got over, since this is launched, we had over 3000 applicants. And because of that, as well as the interest by our teams, because it's both spending time at the league and with a team through the course of, you know, May of this year, through the course of next season, we've gotten so much response that from, from that, those applicants, as well as our teams that we had, you said the number 15, we actually had to increase it. <laughs> so we're, right. we're looking almost to, to like 30 right now. Uh, 22 teams have opted in, hoping to get 30 for 30. But at the same time, we had had to increase it, just given the uh, attractiveness of it and, and the receptivity uh, by our applicants, as well as you know the league holistically. So we're excited about it. We really are. It's a great program. You know, Byron, one of the things that I thought about, which is unique about the NBA, is I think so many people just look at the play on the court and it's, oh, it's 15 players per team. You got a coaching staff and owner, general manager. But yet when you think about the NBA, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a yeah. lot of things that happen on the day-to-day basis. Right. And with this program as well, how much do people realize that there are so many different positions available to the NBA? Yeah, it's a good point. I, I I don't think people realize it, but these types of programs, I think, will bring more exposure to those areas. And so in this type of program, you're going to get and understand skill sets around basketball operations, both the scouting, the player evaluation, development of players, salary cap management, collective bargaining, roster construction, and all the analytics that go along with it, you know? And so we feel like this is a, a build program, if you will. So we've done things around future stars, around sales and ticketing. We've done things around analytics. This one truly brings it back to the core and tenets of the game of basketball. And so being with the league through a number of tentpole events, whether that's combine coming up in a few weeks or whether that's, you know, in May uh, and all the pre-draft processes, then into the summer and all the preparation around summer league and getting our, you know, new stars ready for that element. And then 
obviously our veterans come to Vegas and really be involved from a team perspective there. And then frankly, wrapping up for the next season. And, and then throughout, we talked a little bit about officiating and other rules and other things. They'll get exposure to those things too, but all those elements that go behind the scenes Same, to get yeah. ready for players to excel on the court with their talent. It, it's just amazing. Uh, all the behind the scenes work that goes into it. So these folks, these applicants will get, a, a real live experience in going through all those things, almost like day-to-day shadowing of someone like myself as an executive or others of, in, in the league operations team, but also others within the NBA. Byron Spruell is the president of basketball operations for the NBA with us here on Forward Progress. As we noted with the HBCU fellowship program, yes, this program also provides what I believe is the most important part for anybody to walk away with, and that's the mentoring. Having people who are in these positions, in these jobs, at the league office, at the team level, who get to know you. And you get, uh, as we changed it last week, this this godparenting, if you will, uh, from folks that are in this space who can vouch for you. So much of getting these jobs are about those types of relationships. Yep. The relationships which go to what you're describing, Jackson, the, the, the mentoring aspect the exposure aspect, the sponsorship aspect, which is, you know, another level above mentoring, if you will. So that's sponsorship. And then being able to show that people are in these roles that, you know, they can aspire to be too. And so many times it, it can be a traditional sense of just coming from like an HBCU, getting exposure as an intern and then wanting to be with the team and getting that opportunity. It can be at sort of this early career level and getting more exposure coming from either player experience, uh, external experience as a business or professional services. And then also people internally at the NBA who said, you know, I'm over in the marketing and sales side, but I'm interested in this sort of basketball ops sort of exposure too. So it's really interesting where we're getting our applicants from and then to be able to drive this type of program where they will, you know, absolutely get a lot of exposure, but also excel in these areas and get a, a lot of experience that can help them in their path, whether that's going back to where they came from or, as I say, working with the league or with teams. We have some great examples of this, like Allison Feaster and Stacey Lovelace and others who've done Mm -hmm. similar programs in the past. But we're excited about the future pipeline, too, here. And so, as I say, it can be a traditional sense of a path. It can be a non-traditional. Even myself, I I love sports, uh, have a bit of background, um, love the game of basketball more, more, uh, you know, on the on the gridiron like like Kurt from the standpoint (laughs) of playing. Uh, mm-hmm. But I played the game through high school um, and then uh, basketball and then also, you know, uh, played football at the at the collegiate level. And so that sports element was in my background. But I started in professional services. I was 27 years, seven at a small company and 20 with Deloitte before coming to the NBA. So there there are traditional paths. There are non-traditional paths. But we just want to find the talent and put them in a place where, to your point, they can they can network. They can be mentored. They can be sponsored. And, you know, hopefully have uh, this as part of their career legacy as well. You know, one of the things that you mentioned was the, is the talent and in yeah. trying to diversify the talent as well with all the applicants coming in and say, well, you may like this aspect, but I want to show you a different aspect that yes. you may like as yes. well. So as part of the mentoring, how do you sit down with someone and say, hey, what is it that drives you? And what have you tried? Have you tried this before? Have you tried that before? How does that whole process work as well? Yeah, it's interesting because because here again, you're going to get so many levels of uh, exposure here. Right. So whether that be on the development side, whether some people come in and say, I want to be 
that GM path. I know that's what I want to do. <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden they are so tied to the development piece and or the coaching piece. Right. And they say, well, I may want to, that, that <laughs> GM part is great, but I may want to lend my talent more toward the coaching side. And so that too, it's almost like picking a major when you're going through school, right? It's just yeah. like you get an exposure to so many different areas. And then you find that you ultimately have a passion for, yeah, that path that you laid out, or maybe something a little bit different to your point, Kurt. Uh, in terms of being exposed to another few areas where you think, hmm, my passion and interests actually align better with that. Let me pursue that now, having been through the program. So that's what we want to offer up. Uh, but to your point, to both your points, it's, you know, that diverse talent pipeline that we want to put in position for continued success. They're going to come in successful based on, what, you know, where they're coming from. But at the same time, this sort of program can sort of put a new light in terms of uh, their path, as well as giving them the experience and the networking side to really help with moving forward. Byron Truel is the president of NBA Basketball Operations with us here on Forward Progress. As the father of college kids, a grad student <laughs> and, and a freshman in college, I'm thinking, man, I, they are not missing the next rotation on right. this. But what's the best candidate for you? Someone that is in the world having some experience already? Or are you looking at younger folks that are jumping out of their college days? Yeah, it, it's a little bit of both. Um, I'd say this, this we want somebody kind of with the three or so years of experience would be best because they're going to actually take the ball and run, if you will, uh, and be able to sort of pick up and really immerse themselves in a lot of the programs we have, both virtual, live, and with teams throughout the league and team throughout the course of a year, if you will, a 12 month program. And so I, I think it's more in that realm. We have some other programs as basic internships and other things. You mentioned HBCU fellowship, which is focused on, you know, folks still in school or coming right out of school. This is more people sort of early career having three, four years of experience. You know, one of the things that obviously for you being able to see a lot of these kids, what, what has excited you about this project as well? <laughs> Um, we truly are about inspiring people and connecting them to the game. And this is yet another way to inspire and connect people through the game. Um, and this to me is getting people close to it. There are some elements, as I say, when you sit in these seats that, that you really wouldn't realize that have to happen for a game to go on successfully from, you know, from tip to, to the last second. And so to have people, I'm excited to have people, um, and be able to, I'm a big, big believer of being mentored as well as mentoring people. I've, I've benefited from that myself. So I'm excited about it from that perspective to continue, not a legacy per, per se uh, for myself, but for the program to build out more of these talented folks, give them exposure and maybe give them something that they may not have even seen before. I also often tell people, I, I dreamed of being in sports, but this to me was a dream job that came out of the blue. And mm -hmm. so to get people early thinking about this as to what their path could be, I think is going to be the success of it. So that's truly what I'm excited about, to really bring in more diverse, talented folks that truly can have a path in this environment. Uh, and I think it's really exciting for us to, to lay it out that way. And I do want to throw this at you real quick, Byron, yeah. only because obviously a lot of us, we're from the old school. You know, we've, yeah. so, we've seen the NBA grow in, in, in different eras and genres, basically. Yeah. but. With a program like this and the way that the NBA is skewering so much younger, right? You're huh? looking at the guys who are 19, 20 years old, and yet the league is so much younger in certain areas. And we know the stars are going to go on and and, and, and it's, it's up to the next crop of guys. So sure. how much of that has 
um, sort of inspired this youth movement to get in some of these fresh faces and fresh voices and understand what this next generation of NBA fandom looks like. Absolutely. It, it, it hits the fandom piece. It hits the development piece. It hits the uh, management piece. It hits the executive piece. All those areas where people can come in and bring an idea, bring, we don't know it all, but bring an idea, right. bring an issue, be part of the conversations around the future of the game, the style of play. People have perspectives and we respect right. all of that. And, and so to your point, we want to hear more and, and they have a voice just as much as anybody else. And that's what's going to be also exciting about this, because we'll be hearing more from their perspective. And to the point around fandom, we always want to continue to grow global global fans. Um, and so from that perspective, it's going to also be exciting and, and, and very productive for us and for the individuals. Byron Spurrell, president of the NBA's Basketball Operations, with us here on Forward Progress, talking about this future Basketball Operations Stars program uh, that is rolling out. You alluded to a little bit of the timeline uh, for us a little bit. You already have your applicants, so now you 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 got to drive through this interview process. I think that's where you are in the timeline. Once you get uh, your um, I believe you call them cohorts, right? The, yeah, the selected exactly. individuals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how does it roll out for them? Uh, through the next few months? So basically, they'll, we want them to basically start. Uh, uh, the tip off is, is May 5th. Gotcha. As I said before, and we just released these this information around the combine. So May 16th to the 22nd, they'll get so <laughs> they'll get a, a, a quick course, right? <laughs> quick course on you know, our tempo event around the combine and pre draft process, processes. And they'll be right engaged in, in that right away. We're back in. Uh, Chicago for that at the Marriott and, and at Wintrust, a great setup for our teams. And so they'll be immersed right into it right away. Then we'll have other elements that we'll continue with, obviously, the play in, the playoffs, the postseason, and the finals, and then go right into um, planning for the next. As I like to say, offseason is nothing more than planning for the next. So they'll get rolled right into programs, both, both live and virtual, uh, at the league office. And then there's an element during the season where they'll get assigned to teams and have that experience too. So it goes fully through the next season. And so uh, I say they'll be ramped right up right away after they, uh, after the tip off on May 5th. This is outstanding. I, I almost <laughs> feel like we all need this. Yeah, like we, as, a, as a team broadcaster, I need this. <laughs> like we all need at least an appreciation and, and sometimes some empathy about yeah. how everything goes in different spots. Sure from league to team and team to league. The one thing that really strikes me, I'm thinking back to 30 years ago mm -hmm. uh, when we're all trying to figure out, right? We're interning. We're trying right. to find out where we're going to go. We know <laughs> right. I was very fortunate. I knew I wanted to be a part of sports broadcasting okay. when I was yep. 16, how yep. that was going to roll out over the next 30 years. Yeah. You didn't that reveals know itself. That. Right. Right. But I remember those first, that first year of like interning, man, you better go stand in a corner. <laughs> and figure out what you want from afar. The fact that you're letting people get their hands in the dirt. Right. I don't even know if they know what they don't know, which is right. that wasn't always the way people let you walk in the door. That's right. That's right. And as I say, this is real hands-on immersive experience for these cohorts. And uh, as I say, we're excited about it. Uh, I, we're getting so much receptivity. I'm sure they're excited about it, but you know, the actual cohorts that'll go through this program will gain so much from the experience. And, and here again, it'll be another data point for them to say, Hmm, do I really want to continue forward in this journey with a team, with the league, or go back to what I was doing before with professional services or, 
you know, some other experience around sports or what have you. But um, we really are excited and, and do think it'll give people more, you know, bright eyes and bright mind to what the possibilities are here. You know, one thing that for me, just seeing it from August 2020, when this is kind of first started yeah. and trying to navigate through a pandemic and yeah. how, how were you able to sort of keep this thing afloat to where yeah. it's like you kind of weathered the storm a little bit. Now we enter 2022 and you feel like we've got a strong yeah. um, hold of what we wanted to get done and be able to move forward. Yeah. And so, yes, navigating this pandemic space has been yet another journey, right? Um, we've, we've been able to, to do it, uh, knock on wood, successfully, the bubble and the compressed season last year, back to more of a normal cycle this year and still working through some things. I mean, Omicron was, was a little disruptive, but we, right. we, we managed our way through it. Having said that, this is also on, on our commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion holistically, and then to both your points too, innovation. We got to come and emerge out of any situation, adversity or not, and be stronger. And I think we found programs like this do make us stronger. And so it has both the core and element of, of a diversity, equity, inclusion sort of program, but also it definitely has innovation associated with the two as we emerge from elements of the pandemic. But we learned a lot and, you know, many things kind of transfer and, and convey themselves that way too. But this experience will be great for those uh, who come at a time where it just feels like there's a lot of momentum coming from the pandemic. So we, we talk about these uh, applicants, right? Yes. But are we talking about players as well, especially in their off seasons? Have any players decided to, you know what, let me take a look at maybe some, some things outside of the game that I don't see or within the yeah. game that yeah. we pass by these offices every day. I'm going back to maybe me as a player, Byron, where I used to always say, like, okay, what do you do? Uh, I'm yeah. passing by your yeah. office every day. You yeah. say, hi, Kirk, how you doing? But I don't know what you do. Yeah. And so has there any any players maybe have reached out that probably want to – um, be a part of the program as well? Not not yet. Not that I'm aware of. And it would be tough for an actual player, maybe unless they're thinking of, you know, retiring soon. It would be tough for a current player, an active player, to go through the full, you know, 12-month cycle. Now, having said that, there's certainly ways that we always try to connect with our players active and, you know, recently retired, if you will, uh, to either get into coaching, to have time at the league office, et cetera. So that connection and those relationships are always key and critical to what we're trying to accomplish overall. But I personally haven't heard of a player who was trying to sign up for this program. And I think it would just be too much of a conflict for, for the 12 months, just given what they have to do to get prepared for a season and, and be involved in the season. I right, well, we appreciate the time. We're excited about this future operation star program for you. We look forward to having one of your next graduates roll out. We just had Allison yeah. on the program, as you know, that Allison Feaster, vice Absolutely. president from the Celtics on Doing last well. week, who was in a similar program previously. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep track. Yeah. We, we want to see more, more yield from the programs and yeah. somebody like Allison is just a terrific success, success story. And so we're, we're proud of her for sure. Byron Spurrell, president of basketball operations for the NBA. We take you away for at least a moment from from adjudication, leveling <laughs> fines and, and merit on referees and all the good stuff that you have to usually yeah. deal with. I we love it all. This I love it all, but this is great. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks appreciate for the time. It, okay. Stay right there. More forward progress coming up, including what sometimes the limelight that now HBCUs have shining upon them may pull from the shadows. We'll discuss that when we come back here on Forward Progress. You're listening to Sirius XM Radio. Radio. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Kirk, as we noted uh, in the tease to this, sometimes when the limelight shines on you, mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you, you have to deal with some things that are very mainstream. And the elevation of the awareness surrounding HBCUs, uh, sometimes you got to deal with the challenge of, of business associates. The organization that runs the Southern Heritage Classic has filed a lawsuit against Jackson State and uh, the SWAC for what it calls, quote, wrongful indifference with contractual relations. We, can you break that down for me? Exactly what <laughs> no, that all man. means. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't go to school for that, brother. I'm exactly. Sorry. <laughs> so basically, they're saying they're breaching its long time football contract. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, not yet. Let's just have a conversation. You know what right. I mean? Um, according to a lawsuit filed this week in Memphis, um, the Summit Management Corporation alleges that Jackson State and uh, the Southwestern Athletic Conference worked in concert on an agreement to participate in the newly created uh, SWAC Classic that will be played this fall in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, the claim argues that Jackson State would not have uh, decided to pull out of the Southern Heritage Classic against Tennessee State uh, if uh, not for the conference's influence. So um, let's first set this for most people. Most College football schedules are made a century ahead of time. Correct. <laughs> I mean, it is amazing how far, right? Most yeah. most college programs are about five years out, right? Yeah, I would say more. Some are even 10 years out. Right. So you can appreciate, you know, the folks who run the Heritage Bowl going, whoa, 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 whoa. No, right. like, who can we go get? Everybody's, we you know, everybody's kind of tied up. That's probably mm -hmm. the first thing. Um and so they want an injunction to force Jackson State to play uh, the next couple years, uh, the 23 and 24 games. Uh, and otherwise, it's looking for damages uh, of upwards of nearly $2 million from Jackson State and nearly $5.5 million uh, mm -hmm. from the SWAC. Um, issues of profitability have been mm -hmm. put on the table uh, from Jackson State. I don't know if that's... I don't. I don't think that's a legal argument for getting out of a contract, but there is a reality to that um, that Coach Sanders has brought up. Well, look, Jackson State from two seasons ago to where they are now, um, there are. I mean, they they've gained a lot of traction. They are now a name that a lot of people are talking about in college football. The uh, aura, the presence of Deion Sanders has uplifted that program to a point now that a lot of people want to see. Um, Dion has done a great job from uh, social media to putting together the documentary, the all, I mean, it's not the documentary, but the all season long, the inside look of Jackson State football. Mm -hmm. And now it, this, this school has more notoriety for its football program. It has more notoriety that you kind of want to take the show on the road. And what happens is Dion is really, or I think the SWAC realizes that, there is more opportunity out there for us to go out and truly make more money as an organization, as a, as a conference, as a school to create more resources for the kids, for the players. That's what it really is all about. But what happens is you've had these sort of classics, you know, we said the Southern heritage classic is something that's been around for a very, very long time. And at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, it does great for the community. It's great for the schools and the fan bases. But at the end of the day, like Dion said, it ain't making us no money. <laughs> it's more of about for what y'all want. This is for y'all. Like, this is for the alumni and, uh, you know, everybody coming back. It's more the reunion. And that's what a lot of the classic games are about. 
it's about a time of everybody coming back to relive their past, relive their, their, their college years, whatever it may be. But now Dion realizes, and I think the SWAC realizes that when it comes to financials, we got to put ourselves in a better, in a better position because we've earned that. Now we we've, we've put it out there now. I, 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 <laughs> I don't know how this ends up, how this plays out Jax, but I understand that the profile of Jackson state is not what it used to be. And there's a lot more for this program to be able to go out and get than what it had before. The Southern heritage classic paid to each school, $350,000 per year to participate in the game, according to the documents in this lawsuit. Um, while that is a considerable amount of money, let's provide some perspective. My alma mater, Bowling Green State University, yeah, uh, went to Minnesota and did the double doozy. Yes, I remember. Uh, when, you get, when you get about $1.5 million and, to and show up. Them. Oh, yeah. And win. And right? win. <laughs> is it at least arguable to note that Jackson State is in that space with that second tier of Division One schools that can – basically set the program correct right by going and and being you know the homecoming game or the sacrificial land and then every now and then come away with a w and And then all of a sudden coach uh coach prime is having a tough time getting those games on the schedule by the way it might have to double back to the southern heritage classic it's a very interesting cycle when you start to look at the money um because you can get three four times as much uh, by by heading to a power five university in a non-conference schedule that's not debatable yeah. that that's that this is it, this is large money but not compared to what you can do in the early part of your schedule well i think also the exposure too to know that hey if you come to jackson state not only you're gonna get a great education you're gonna play great football uh we've already you're, you're gonna raise your profile but you're also going to go up against some of the power five schools and we're going to go and play. We're, we're going to try to go play Alabama. We're going to try to go play Auburn. We're going to try to play LSU. We want to, we're right here down in, down in Mississippi. We're next to the sec schools. So why not travel here? We don't have to fly. We can get on the bus and let's go. So they've raised their profile to where people will want to watch that matchup. You want to televise it. We weren't talking about Jackson state football two seasons ago. And I think that's what the holdup is that so many people who, had sort of invested in the program previously and now seeing that what Dion has done and now trying to pull out of what people had invested in so many years when the program wasn't where it's at right now, it is trending in the right direction, especially now we, we talked about some of the recruits that he's landed five-star guys, guys are choosing Jackson state over some of these other programs. And it's because of their head coach, but it's because of the profile of how it's raised awareness that HBCUs, especially Jackson State, is a place that you can still go out and still make it to the next level if you if that's what you want to do. Let's change gears real quick, but still in landscape-changing dynamics, when you think about the WNBA's Las Vegas Aces and, and the team governor, uh, Mark Davis, uh, you know the name, football heads. That's exactly right. <laughs> My guy. Uh, from, from Raiders ownership. Uh, the impact he has had since purchasing this team from MGM Resorts, uh, is second to none, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he is ambitious. There's a big picture, and it's specifically in this space as an advocate for women's sports. Um, listen, he, he's he got 
Jennifer Azy in the mix, one of the great pioneering players of the league. Becky Hammond, um, shook up, he shook up the WNBA dropping that bag of a <laughs> million did. dollars on his new head coach. Uh, a new training facility that's 80,000 square feet that's going to house offices to training courts, learning academy. That opens uh, next spring. Uh, and, and now he takes the acumen from having North America's greatest money-making machine as it pertains to sports in the National Football League yeah. and try to drive some revenue streams that would make sense in the WNBA. Uh, that man's not playing around, Kurt. No, he's not. But I, I, I love his um, just just the way his drive to kind of push things forward and say, hey, look, you know, we can create more and more revenue streams that we're all playing. We're all on this level playing field that we can have these chartered flights. We can have this more exposure. We can all have the same thing and create just even more revenue streams. And I think that he's all he's been all in. You know, he sees he sees it from the NFL perspective. But then when you look at the WNBA, it's still growing. It's still not, I won't call it at its infancy stages, but it is at a time Jacks where with NIL deals, with people coming back from years, I mean, from, from coming out of high school, now college, now coming over to play in the WNBA, there's going to be more exposure. And I think Mark Davis, he sees that and he understands that and he's going all in. And we, I think he's putting the pressure on other owners too, Jax, to do what? To step up to the plate. It's not just going to be me. It takes more folks to do the same thing. And I love what he's doing. I, I love that he's found this space, that this is my baby, the aces. This is what I'm doing. And he's not just a, a guy who's just not, you know, a helicopter in and helicopter out. He put it right there. This facility is going to be near the Raiders facility. So he's all in. He wants to see this thing grow. And, you know, I couldn't, the guy who I know personally, and he's all about player, player development, and just player comfortability. That's what Mr. Davis is, man. So shout out to Mark Davis for getting that done. And noting fully that his decision to part ways with John Gruden after the leak of the emails revealing homophobic, sexist, and racist language had a lot to do with his connection uh, to the WNBA, saying, how could I stand for that? I couldn't. The WNBA played a big role in my decision, and uh, it's a new blood thinking, a new blood energy uh, that's coming in to the WNBA that you got to embrace. I know that this is some big money, <laughs> yeah. right, that's coming in as well as with the size, with the, the nets, but you got to let it roll in, and there might be a little running roughshod that occurs uh, for teams without – bigger budgets, but you don't want to push away from this insertion of relevance, importance, upliftment. Um, it's it's healthy, absolutely healthy. Uh, my man, we did it again. Another absolutely. great run through uh, <laughs> a, a great level of, of topics. We're super appreciative of the NBA's president of basketball operations, Brian Spurrell, for stopping by and sharing that brand new program. Absolutely, man. Until next time, brother. You got it. That's Kirk Morrison, everybody. For our producer, Pernell Brown, I'm Jason Jackson. We'll talk to you next time on Forward Progress.